Oh, what's a bit of a... So today I have an amazing guest on the Talking Cards podcast. I have Bill with me. Bill, first of all, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I feel like I, I should have done this episode uh, back in the day, not, not right now, but I, I don't think it's too late. And this should be an amazing conversation about vintage. Uh, Bill is uh, a top collector on, on that market. But uh, make an introduction for my, my viewers and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for the invite. Uh, very happy to be here. Yeah, yeah my pleasure again. Um, but yeah, tell us a bit. Uh, tell us a bit your uh, your story for people that may not know you, how long you've been collecting. Even though the first question is actually related with that, uh, and I guess I can start with the first question since it goes into your story in the hobby. So when you start, when you actually started collecting soccer, and the reasons behind of that. Uh, Basically, a bit of uh, your story around the, the soccer card market. Sure. So, I mean, I guess the first thing is I started playing, you know, when I was young and um, wasn't very good. So I didn't uh, play, you know, late into my life or anything, but always had a love for the sport. And um, I grew up collecting, um, you know, American football uh, and baseball cards mainly um from the time i was five which would be like 1980 so that tells you how old i am um <laughs> not quite as old as l uh but you know regardless anyway um so yeah i've always been collecting and then once i um you know got out of college and um had my first job a friend and i decided to also open up a uh, baseball card shop um so we had that uh, going for about a decade. Um, so I would always go to the, you know, national card show here in the U S and, um, you know, it just kind of clicked with me that, you know, soccer is something I always enjoyed, but I never really collected. So, um, probably I want to say it's probably 12 to 14 years ago. Now, um, I just decided to start to focus on it and I felt it was kind of you know, aside from collecting, also as an investment, it just felt like a, a good decision because there's so many markets available, you know, that people really don't collect soccer yet. But it's I mean, it's the global sport. So um, it just made a lot of sense that there's going to be a lot more people interested globally in collecting and a lot more Americans interested in soccer moving forward because it just everybody plays soccer growing up. Like it's just regardless, it's just something to get out and kick a ball around at a minimum. You know, and then so um, that's kind of what led me to start collecting soccer. Um, I've always been kind of wired to collect um, vintage. So um, I started out, you know, looking at Messi, Ronaldo, um, players like that. And I just slowly started moving further and further back in my collecting um, the years. It just kind of naturally happened. Um, yeah. But back then it was a little bit of the Wild West, so we really didn't. The information we have now is like probably 50 times greater than it was once when I started collecting. So it's uh, it's been fun to see the progress. Um, and then um, COVID happened and um, I was bored. So I figured I would throw a, a YouTube video on and um, a few people interacted with it. And um, for years uh, when I was collecting vintage, it was um, very much... I mean, you didn't really cross paths with a lot of other collectors. So um, I just decided to start um, the Discord um, that we have, the Vintage Soccer Cards Discord. And, um, and Bill, know, let me say one thing. Sure. Everyone that wants to learn about Vintage, uh, that's probably the best place we have in the soccer card market. So I will leave the link below the video also on the description. And again, amazing place to interact with you, to interact with other collectors that share the same passion for, for vintage. But, but please, and also another shout out, you end up mentioned your YouTube channel. Uh, you have one of the best shows in the in the in the um, in the content uh, space for, for for soccer cards, you and all. I believe it's the state of the market, right? The 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 name or something like that. Yes. <laughs> I believe yeah, it's state of the, of market. the market. Yeah, we just do it monthly. And um yeah, Al and I have a fun time. It's just, you know, two guys like for Al and I were two of the people that would cross paths back in the day. And um, you know, we really never even had spoken. It was just um a message here, a message there. So it's been really nice to do these shows and um 
you know, I mean, both of our discords have grown quite a bit and it's just, it's really cool to see so many people, um, you know, becoming a part of the community and just talking soccer cards. And it's just something I figured I was going to get 20 to 30 people, you know, and yeah, no, it's crazy. You know, now it's, I mean, I know you have a lot and I mean, it's, it's just hard to wrap my head around um, that many people being interested. And it's just really, it's exciting to see. It's exciting for, you know, if you're an investor moving forward, just because it seems like there's a lot more people, you know, interested. And then it's also exciting as a collector because so many people are finding new things and it's just incredible to learn about all these new, you know, cards and stickers I've never seen before. And, um, it's just been a lot of fun to see kind of the whole, um, hobby grow. And, um, yeah, so, uh, and Bill, that's kind of been my story. Um, and Bill, uh, the, like, like I, I was saying, and uh, you, you also agree with this, I think the first place to, to start to, one of the best places to start to learn about vintage is probably your Discord. But I also believe your, your YouTube channel is amazing. I mean, uh, you, you, you have done, uh, amazing content so far that the, the state of the market, I think is, it's amazing to learn about different releases. All, I mean, everyone knows about all at this point also is, is, a such an amazing collector and then they have so, so much knowledge, but you guys make a, a great, great pair. I believe probably more people know about all than you, but you sure. are also um, a collector that people should follow because your knowledge uh, is, is quite evident. And I think, and I think people will notice in, in this, uh, in this podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, let's not, you know, I'm not kidding myself to say that I'm at Al's level and I mean, Al just is, I mean, he is so thorough in his collecting and he's, you know, his, um, his knowledge is just, you know, there's not many people that can, uh, to match him, but, um, yeah, we definitely, you know, enjoy, uh, talking about it and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun and, um, you know, that's probably 80% of the reason I'm even doing it is just to enjoy myself and, um, you know, share a hobby with somebody, you know, with everybody. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's just, uh, this is really my entertainment, you know, it's not concerts, it's not anything else. It's, this is the entertainment for me. So. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I also feel the same on this YouTube channel on, on my discord. At the end of the day, you have to have a huge passion for this. Otherwise it's not, uh, it's not worth it. Let's, let's all be real about that. Very true. So the question number two, um, I think is, is an interesting one. What are the three international markets you like to collect the most in vintage or pre-war? Because uh, vintage and pre-war basically is the same thing, but there is a differentiation yeah. there for collectors. But feel free if, if you prefer go pre-war or vintage, but the three international markets you like the most. And of course, Portuguese needs to be one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Um, so yeah, I would say that um, I am definitely, when I really started focusing on vintage, um, I kind of focused on the fifties and earlier. Um, so, um, you know, it's, I would say the majority of what I focus on is pre-war. Um, so like I'm really, I was really interested in the UK just because that's where the earliest cards and stickers, well, cards are. So, um, I really wanted to start getting players that were kind of, you know, if you look at like, for example, I don't know. Um, most other countries start in the 20, 1920s where you could get uh, stuff from the 1800s in the UK. So that was really interesting to me just to kind of get the uh, some of the items of the like builders of the sport and everything like that. Yep. So uh, most of the players I focus on um, from the UK are, I would say, 1910s and earlier because that's really where soccer isn't represented too much in any of the other countries. Um, so that was kind of where I focused to start. And then I kind of came across um, Spanish issues from the twenties. And I just find how the, the ornate nature of those um, are, it's just so beautiful. There's a lot of gold leaf and um, so many different, you know, small regional issues. And um, I mean, I wish there was more, like great players during that era, but I just find those um, issues to be so beautiful that I really enjoy collecting those. Um, and then I would say the, 
the third, and these this is really no particular order, but um, Argentina is probably my third, um, just because um, I'm really intrigued by South American soccer history, and that Argentina is kind of where all the best players kind of congregated to play in the leagues there, and um, it's uh, you know it's a whole different culture. So I got a couple in Europe, and um, it's just it's fun to see the issues from a whole different region and um there's so many great players and it's just interesting to hear the stories of players that started out there went over to italy um or spain to play and um you know it's uh it was just uh really kind of where i dug in because right when i started it was really difficult to to get anything from south america and um so that was always a fun challenge to you know even find somebody there that could be like a personal shopper for you, you know, and things like that. It was just so different than it is now to be able to acquire things. Um, so th- it was just the fun, the, the, uh, the search was just so fun that, um, you know, I kind of fell in love with uh, Argentinian issues. No, yeah, I mean, three great choices for sure. I, I don't have the, the same experience as you in, uh, in vintage, even less in, in pre-water. I'm more a pre-modern collector, but um, I agree with your choices in general because uh, I I look at the Tiago Alcantara as a more uh, early cards and they are so so beautiful. It's, it's, it's tremendous the work Spanish uh, um, Spanish releases did around that time, and of course UK. I mean UK is is so, uh, the history is so so rich uh, uh, around the sport that. Uh, Makes sense. Um, about Argentina, I don't know as much, but I know Al also loves to collect Argentina, Argentinian releases. I mean, we saw recently him getting the, um, I believe, a couple of the Stefan rookies, uh, dif- different releases, but still uh, fairly early stuff. And things from Argentina, and I guess you also can um, can give us some, some perspective on this, especially the really old stuff. They seem difficult to find, right? Um, I, I have that idea. Yeah, you know, so it's just like anywhere um, where collecting maybe was or wasn't a big thing culturally. And um, it just feels like there it wasn't really. And there's just so many um, different reasons, but a lot of items didn't survive um, over the years. You know, people just that was just something that uh, somebody acquired, but then they might just throw it out or, or anything. And it just, it's really difficult to find anything of decent condition. Um, so just getting anything, um, is a win. Uh, you'll see a lot of Al's items that, you know, Al has the ability to get the best item of whatever he's collecting, you know, for the most part. And, um, a lot of his South American items, our PSA ones or twos, they're not, yeah. you know, sevens or eights. And so just to even get one is, um, is a win. And, um, so it's not only the, it's condition scarce, but it's also just scarce in general. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where the, the fun is. Like I, I bought a card off of Al that, I mean, it's, if you looked at this and it's so tattered and, you know, there's, creases like five creases across the card and what I'm what so card happy to have it you know so what card um, i wish i had it in front of me so i could show you but, but sh- sh- share the blade at least oh it's uh carlos pucel um okay. so yeah probably not many people know who it is but he was a uh, a big time uh player um in the uh in the 30s um and he uh kind of La Maquina is a big team in Argentina, and he was kind of the uh, person who started, um, you know, the acquiring those players for um, for the team. And um, yeah, so he's just somebody who always intrigued me. And um, it's a 1936 Leyes, um, and it just looks like an old tobacco card, but it's just so tattered that. Um, but I love having it, and I'm no, that's, happy to that's... have it. Actually, I, I have one question that uh, is related with, with this one. Do do you explore even uh, smaller countries when it comes to pre-war uh, vintage also, but even specific pre-war like Uruguay, uh, Chile? Do, do, do you explore those countries or do you focus mainly on the big ones, Brazil, Argentina? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Uruguay is actually my probably I didn't mention them just because it's a smaller country and there's just not as much available. But like the 20s Uruguay teams are just so interesting to me that, that I really dug into Uruguay uh, back early on. Um, so like Nasazi, Andrade, those two are, um, you know, the the bigger stars, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, legends. Um, so like those are our players I definitely dug into. Um, I try to acquire a lot of Uruguayan issues because um, um, it is definitely interesting to, and I appreciate it totally differently, right? Because it's just a smaller country that doesn't necessarily get as much notoriety. But I mean, the 20s, Uruguay was the team. I mean, they won two, uh, the two Olympics, the 1924 and 1928 Olympics. They win the first World Cup. Um, so, um, they were pretty much dominant, um, in that era. And, um, so yeah, definitely have, uh, a focus of them as well. Um, it's just that it's so much harder to get anything from there because, you know, their population is about one seventh or one eighth of the size of, you know, Argentina at the time. So I believe uh, even right, I could be saying something really wrong, but I believe even right now is around 3 million people. So. He's, oh, he's so I'm really... probably even way off on the uh, fraction. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually going to pull that up while we're talking because yeah, but but he's is a super super small uh, super small country. But even the other countries, like actually, for example, in South America, Colombia, Chile, do do you also explore them or or is it too difficult to find uh, stuff? So I, I I didn't really do a lot of digging into those countries because of um just the players of interest weren't there for me. Yeah, make, makes sense back that far. Um, so, I mean, once you move further up into like the sixties, seventies, it's more interesting to me. Um, you know, there's definitely players that I, I look for in those eras. Um, but because I focus so much on pre-war, it's, um, it just wasn't really, um, the best players there would potentially have already been in Argentina. So, no, makes um, sense, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of where, um, I didn't delve too much into that, but, in Europe, I definitely looked, you know, at more uh, of the smaller countries. Um, okay. But again, with my interest being certain um, eras, you know, it's uh, you're kind of limited because there's only so many countries that really had an established leagues, you know, in the 30s, 20s, you know, 1910s. So um, I think maybe that's also part of the reason that interested me. And we'll get to this in another one of your questions, but um you can only look at so much you know without getting no, overwhelmed sure. and so um although i collect in a lot of areas there wasn't you know if you're a pre-war or a pre-modern collector i mean you have the whole world to collect from and that's just overwhelming so um it i kind of limited my scope by you know being interested in the pre-war no makes 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 a lot of sense to to be honest with you um, so the question number three is um, a bit speculative one, to be honest with you, but I think it's a fun one. What player do you believe is still fa fairly cheap? Cheap is always relative, of course, but you think, you know what, maybe there is still some uh, room to grow on this player in vintage or pre-war. Hey guys, quick pause on this one. First of all, hope you are enjoying the video. If that's the case, do not forget to leave a like, but let me share with you two things. The first is I have a Patreon community that is growing super fast. I put a lot of content there. If you join right now, you pay around $10, but you have access to more than 100 exclusive videos. It's an amazing place to learn about the soccer card market and you also support the channel. Link below the video and also in the comments. The second thing is my Discord server. We are more than 1,000 members. I'm going to say it again, 1,000 members. And it's an amazing community, an amazing place to interact with me, to interact with other collectors, to learn and share about the soccer card market. Uh, similar to Patreon, link will also be below the video. If $10 is a lot of money to you, don't feel pressure to join the Patreon. For me, it's not super relevant. Of course, I would love to see you there, but at least join the Discord, that's totally free and is an amazing place to, to learn about the soccer card market, like I said a couple of seconds ago. Now let's continue with this one, and I hope you have fun. Yeah, so it's, it's give, interesting. Give me a name. <laughs> okay, the name is Garincha um, okay. from 
Uh, I feel like uh, his values really jumped during COVID. Um, oh, yeah. And then it, it feel like the prices were really high. You know, there was just this big run on him. And uh, where he was um, probably selling at, you know, a, a pretty big fraction of what Pele was selling for. Um, and then it's it's amazing, but it just like looking at the auction prices recently, um, for the level of player he he was, um, it just feels like it's almost overcorrected in this pricing. So um, if you can find anything that's even, you know, it's not one of the most produced items of the era of his um i mean we're seeing stuff from brazil from the early 60s sell for a hundred two hundred dollars and it just feels like that's a gross overcorrection to where his prices were a couple years ago so um just as a a bigger vintage name i feel like he's kind of disconnected with some of the other prices uh recently so um i'm trying to think if there's anybody further back that's it's interesting because we kind of all these prices kind of go in waves and i i don't know if you see it in your discord also but you know people get really excited about certain things and then you can kind of see all the prices move oh, yeah. up because the discord kind of everybody's so excited about something that um you almost see like this wave of like and for example in um my discord it's it's been vintage Italy. So like all these Italian issues have shot up in price. And then, um, you know, then people get excited about something else. So then you kind of see Italy kind of dip a little bit in value. So it's pretty amazing, like these communities, how much really, how much influence they may have in prices. So um, it's kind of right now that's Garincha. But, you know, if if everybody starts running with Garincha, it's not going to be him anymore. It's going to be, you know, no, somewhere else. So. Um, it's but it's really interesting to see how just the the excitement of um you know a collecting base can um kind of move prices. No, I t totally agree with you, and I I understand basically what you mean about basically a momentum around cert certain players, certain sets. Exactly. In my Discord, is what I notice from time to time is momentum around spe specific modern around certain modern sets. All of a sudden, everyone is talking about them. And normally that also leads to more supply appearing, probably a correction in prices. So it's, it's actually quite, quite fun to, to see. And I think as, as humans, we like to collect what other people also collect, you know, and if we sure. see a lot of people collecting, let's say vintage, um, pre-war Italy, of course, you may not, not even be totally aware of what's going on, but you think, you know what, this is actually quite, uh, Quite nice. I, I I don't even think it's people trying to manipulate stuff. It's basically something that um, that really happens. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's just like Instagram. You get something and you post it on you post a card on Instagram, and and you get a bunch of likes. And other people are like, "Oh, I really like that card. I'm gonna go look at that." You know, and it's just it's not one hundred percent. It's not you know it's manipulation. It's just a um, an interest and excitement level of a particular sector of collecting. Um, yeah, and especially, uh, especially our market. I mean, there is so, so, so many releases that uh, me and you may not even be aware that if we see it for the first time, I think, oh man, this, now I would love to, to have one copy. I mean, it happens to me a lot, specific more in vintage. In modern, is is a bit more easy to, to track stuff since we know the, the main releases. But uh, and pre-modern happens also a bit, but in vintage is where I think a lot of stuff appears um, that I, I was not not aware. Sure, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, there's still things coming out from the '70s that I'm I'm stunned. You know, like Al and I experienced this where we thought like uh, Johann Cruyff rookie was '75 or '74, and then we buy that, and then. All of a sudden, it's 71, and then now it's 67, you know, 1967. So um, in, in that regard, I mean, that was happening seven, eight years ago. Um, yeah, I, I remember, I actually, actually, I also believe was in in, uh, in one of your YouTube videos with him that you guys ended up talking about Zico, that you guys also felt for, or at least, uh, I believe I'll at least said that, but correct me if I'm wrong, I'll... Oh, that no, is... Exactly, and that happened recently. So, like, yeah. I mean, within the last couple of years, we were we thought Zico was 1978, uh, maybe yeah, the, four the, years the, ago. The, the ping-pong cards, right? 
Yeah, no, yeah. that that that's crazy, honestly. <laughs> yeah, so it's just that's just how soccer is. It's just like you can't when you have, let's say, back in the day, and I'm understating, but let's say in the, I'm going to use the United States just because, um, in the United States, there might have been 50 collectors of vintage and pre-war soccer, you know, 10 years ago, and and so you can only have so many. So people in other country, you know, in the country of issue you know, are probably aware of those, but for us to have access to those issues is very difficult when you only have 50 people looking, but now we have between our two discords, probably over 2000 people. And so we have two channels where we can get all this information, you know, from. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So 2000 people, and let's say only half of them are looking right. Like we have a thousand people really looking um, it's just just the information is so much easier to obtain. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see. But at the same time, when you're dealing in vintage, that's a risk you take because you might spend a lot of money on a really well graded uh, 1976 Zico. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, that's not especially if you're looking for a rookie, um, you know, which a lot of Americans are um, then. You know, you could be uh, in for a little bit of pain when you find out that that's not actually his rookie. Um, yeah, uh, but, but that's but just Bill. something that like we're a little more weathered and a little, uh, you know, we have thicker skin with that just because we've experienced it so much over the last, you know, 12, 12, 14 years. So, yeah, um, I mean, but yeah, I, yeah. I talk a lot about timing the market versus timing the market and you guys, you all and, and, and other collectors, to be honest, are, are amazing examples of this. You guys have a lot of time in the market. And with that, there is a lot of experience. There is a lot of, of knowledge that you acquire over time. But still related with this, uh, there is, for example, a couple of players in vintage that I feel like, and uh, you probably agree with me, that there is a chance that their rookies is not the rookies we think about. For example, Yashin. Um, I mean, if you look at his career, he was playing already for so many years. Uh, the rookies are, are what era? It's 50, 58, 59. The rookies 58, we have yeah. we have right now, right? And also Hugo Sanchez. I believe Hugo Sanchez also has uh, um, already... Yeah, seven, uh, it's the World Cup cards, yeah, the 1978, yeah. Yeah, do, so, do, do, do you believe this is just, again, also a speculative question, but eventually the true stuff for, for them, or if there is a true stuff for them, will appear? I think that those two are really perfect examples of it. I mean, because he had some, Hugo had so many years in Mexico, you know, before um, 78. Um, the one thing is we always have, um, th you know, in theory, most players are going to have something right because of the World Cup, but um, you have to think, I mean, we're finding Mexico has been an interesting country because it's been really difficult to find items from from there. Um, and I, things are starting to come out more and more now. Um, we're seeing more things from the 70s and even back into the 50s. So, um, yeah, I think that that's Ugo just makes way too much sense that there's going to be something where everybody's going to be disappointed with their 1978 World yeah. Cup uh, stickers. Um and then Yashin is definitely, um, definitely another one. Cause, and we keep saying that it's just that, like you said, 58 is so late in his career, um, or later in his career, um, that you would think that, um, something was produced in, um, you know, in Russia or yeah, I guess it was the, um, or the UK or I mean the USSR and, um, so it, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Makes that'll sense, be right? really exciting when, if, when something's found about that, it's just really difficult to know if there really was much printed in the USSR back then, um, uh, or the Soviet union, um, because we just don't know much about the culture and if that was really even a thing. No, makes sense. I I agree. I, I, I thought those two examples are, are are nice ones since they end up being al already stars uh, when we uh, basically when the, the rookie for them appeared, even if they is not the true rookie. But but yeah, I mean uh, that, that's one thing that sometimes f scares me about vintage, specific for players that I feel mm, I'm really not sure if this is the true rookie or not, uh, even yeah. for a long time and. Uh, um, 
on this one, you probably also have great, great information. Probably even for Pelé, you, you, you guys, you guys, <laughs> the old people collecting back in the day, thought that uh, maybe 58 or, or even 59 was the, the, the rookie year for, for Pelé. Am I wrong about that or the 57s are already um, well known? No, you're correct. I mean, 58s were definitely um, the what I think the general collecting um, population believed. Um, you know, and I think some people started to do a little bit more digging into, um, you know, could there have been something when he just started, you know? And so, um, you know, I think that's always been something. It's almost like you're a uh, archaeologist hoping to find <laughs> some some proof. Um, yeah of of something earlier than is already known and um so I, I think you're right i think that most people believe and the issue back then was we didn't even necessarily know the correct years for particular issues like there's a the, the quiggle um pele i mean we we thought that was a 58 and it ends up being closer to 60 and you know it, it it just takes some work on um, the collector's end to kind of go through all of the stickers you can find for a particular issue and then, you know, say, okay, this player, they're saying played for this team at this moment. And you kind of go through each of those players and you can kind of whittle it down and figure out, um, you know, kind of the range of years that that sets from. And, you know, that's not necessarily um, 100% accurate either because, maybe this issue was made for multiple years. So it's, um, it's particularly as you move further back in time, you know, sometimes issues might last three, four years and they just kind of build on it each season. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a, it's kind of daunting if you're going to be a new collector going into uh, vintage or pre-war, um, and knowing that there's those risks, um, and also j just the lack of information and something pops up and you lose a ton of money. So, um, you know, and that kind of can lead into one of your other questions, but, um, you know, you can, it, it's just, you gotta be careful when you start jumping in, into, um, you know, those eras, um, kind yeah. of educate yourself a little bit more and don't just say, I'm going to spend all my money right now on this these cards, you know, you, you kind of need to get a feel for the market before you and, and and ask yourself how confident you are that that's, you know, definitely an early issue for that particular player. Because if you see that a player started in 1946 and we believe that the 1954 is his rookie, I mean, you have eight years there to for something to be found and um you know, you could end up losing a lot of money if you're spending big on that 1954. No, makes sense. And, and that, that's great advice. And the question number four is, is related basically with that is if, but let's say you are starting right now, not you are, imagine you are starting right now, but you could tell yourself the, the new collector. Yeah. Um, and advice, um, I guess probably would be that, right? Um, well, be patient yeah. in, at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that that is the uh, the most important thing is you don't want to just jump in. I mean, we all do that, right? You see something you like, you go buy it. And then um, and you're like, well, you kind of reason with yourself. Well, that's not that expensive for like if I compare it to another sport or, um, you know, it's this old and um, it's only going to cost me $50 or whatever. And Bill, sometimes uh, the the thing that is even more difficult is the sentiment on the market is so nice that uh, think oh everyone everyone is buying everything is going up so yeah this kind of makes sense but there is always the other side of, of the coin you know maybe in one year the market is quite different and we are seeing that right now definitely so so you you know you for example like a good example is like the 1934 Stanley Matthews. I'm just going to use that as, you know, he's considered one of the the greats of the game from that era and in England. And, um, you know, he's. His. It just makes sense that his rookie would be a valuable item. Well, the 30s just happen to have 
a lot of um you know there's a they produced a lot because it was all tobacco and everybody smoked back then and um so like that's the one i kind of think of um to start out and we just don't have the demand right now for soccer i mean maybe in you know 15 years it's a different story but as of this exactly. point you know when everything else is going up um that's a little bit scarcer um you know that's kind of just been stagnant because it's if you go on ebay you can see a dozen copies at any one time and um so that's something that you need to to just be aware of if you're a new collector is just because it's old and just because it's of a great player it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to jump and react to the market the same way that other cards are um the other thing is you just gotta you you just need to be a, learn the market and i think that the first thing i would do is kind of pay attention to all the different locations you know different countries different eras um all of that find what in interests you and kind of keep a focus on that and become as educated as you can in that area um uh, for example, Nils, um, Nick, he's very focused on France um, and he's become a very knowledgeable collector of that. Now he kind of has an expertise in that, um, you know, vintage French issues, you know, the, in the mainly the 50s. And um, so, like, those are the kind of things that now he has this knowledge base that maybe other people don't have and he can use that to his advantage in collecting so just becoming an educated collector and i would you know maybe go where other people aren't looking because um, that's going to be like the best um best way for you to find bargains and um, otherwise you know the main things like pele's and things like that everybody's aware of those everybody has um a general base knowledge on those. So you don't really have an advantage. So if you're looking to kind of buy things at a discount, I would kind of look at the different era countries and kind of say, okay, well, where is the Netherlands something that, you know, maybe a lot of people aren't focused on. Maybe we can, you know, look at vintage there because there's not a lot that comes out of there. But if you become the person who's willing to dig in and, you know, put some work in, um, you might find some gems that, you know, us collectors don't great know about. Great point. No, great point for sure. I mean, I I agree with that totally. Nils Nils is is an amazing example. I agree. I mean, uh, he, he focused so much in the French uh, stuff that, of course, he automatic uh, becomes almost an expert on um, yeah. on that on that market on on certain specific players. And this collection uh, is is um, is growing beautiful, if you ask me, because you can see his evolution as a collector. He, he, you you can even see his knowledge is is getting deeper because he's in elephants stuff that, that that is more more difficult to find. So I thought was a really really nice example. Um, this question was was for you, but I also would love to share my perspective on this one. But it's very similar to yours, to, to be fair. I, I think being pensioned is, is the biggest skill people can have uh, when it comes to, to collecting. Um, being pensioned and having a stable personality, if that makes sense. You know, don't get to, yeah, just because your card is up uh, 2x or 3x, don't think the next one you will buy will follow the, the same trend or the, the same logic. Uh, and um, still related with this, People should put time in the market. Uh, look uh, at the knowledge you are um, showing all of us today. I mean, you you, you did not learn this uh, one uh, one year ago. This is a lot of years in the making, if that makes sense. So I would say your advice is very similar to to mine, and I fully agree. The last yeah, one. Think, no, feel oh, free. Feel just, free. Just to follow up on that. I mean, the pay, when you mentioned patience, that that is. If you're going to get into vintage in particular, um, patience yeah. is so important because it isn't like uh, stuff from the 90s on forward because, you know, a lot of the players, you're you're really betting on more people being interested in soccer and collecting vintage soccer cards. That's what's going to drive the value of things. It's not like if you're collecting modern where you're seeing players on the pitch and they're performing and that's driving the values. So, you know, you maybe bought, um, I don't know, 
Kamaviga, uh, um, and and he's doing incredibly, and his prices go up. So now you've made money, or he not, or he's not performing, and you know you lose some money. That's it's much more of a stock market in that regards. Whereas like if you're getting into vintage, there's nothing really changing that value aside from more people being interested in them. So uh, the speed of return is totally different. Yeah. Um, and so you just need to be aware of that. If you're going into vintage or pre-war, all you're doing is really betting on more people being more interested in those items moving forward. And um, if you're investing, if you're collecting, it's a whole different story, but um you know, if you're if you're if you are interested in the value of what you're buying, you know, that's definitely something that you need to be aware of that what we saw during COVID is not, you know, the uh, is not what vintage and pre-war typically is like. Yeah. And I actually that's a good point, because I actually feel like some people got the, the wrong idea at the time, you know, that uh, even vintage um, can go up 5x, 10x all, all of a sudden and the that was a very special time in the market. Let's be real. Everything went up, not just soccer cards. I mean, NBA, Pokemon cards, everything was going uh, was going crazy. The, the difficult part was buying something that was going down. That was the, the real skill around that time. But uh, but yeah, right now is a much slower game. But um, slow gains, as long as they are consistent, they, they give you... Uh, great perspective for, for 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 the future, but again, modern is totally different. Yeah, if Alan Alan or other kids scores an a trick, there is a scenario that certain cards most likely will go up. But even that is getting tricky nowadays because I also feel there is um, we are still seeing some um, market adaptation from uh, from that time the the COVID situation and. Uh, there is a lot of people leaving the market. I think it's, it's fair to, to say that. But the people that is entering right now, they will probably stay for a long time because if you are entering when cards are going down, that, that's kind of a good sign in terms of you being a collector or, or a flipper. Of course, we also need flippers. We also need the momentum investors, if that makes sense. But I also think we are going to, to see a more stable market in the next two, three years. And that's a great thing for for collectors. The the final question, uh, Bill, and uh, great, great, great stuff so far. Um, is your hot take on uh, unpopular opinion about the soccer card market, about the hobby in general? Um, is up to you. Yeah, this is. I'm always bad at these, so this is a. Uh, this is. I'm not sure uh, of my what a controversial take is because, I mean, most of my takes I share, so. Um, I mean, I guess my um, my biggest take is that like I'm bullish on on soccer in general, but overall the card market or sports cards I am I am bearish on. Like I feel like sport is dying to a point, particularly in the United States. Um, I feel like people are less interested in sports in general compared to the where they were maybe when 20 years ago. Okay. Um, so I feel like there's this very interesting, you know, shift right now. And I'm like baseball, for example, is, is kind of, I consider it a dying sport. Like there's just so people are less interested in it, watching it. And, um, you know, young 20 year olds that I speak to don't even watch sports. Many of them way less than what it was. Like I would say nine out of 10, 20 year old men cared about all the sports that I was around. And now it feels like it's five out of 10. And so um, I feel like there's a, a big concern moving forward just in sports collectibles in general. So what's going to happen in 30 years when, you know, those they're 50 years old. And are they really going to be interested in buying the our collectibles that we have right now? So there, it's kind of a. I feel like soccer is a little bit more buffered because it's such a global sport. But I feel like a lot of the uh, other sports that are more national centric, um, you know, may may not uh, be what we see they are right now. Um, 
So I'm a little, with that being the case, I mean, is collecting of soccer cards even going to be a thing um, 30, 40, 50 years down the road? And that, that it's something I kind of battle in, in my brain uh, every time I buy something. Um, but I still believe that the next 20 years, I'm pretty confident that soccer is fine. Uh, but I'm worried, is it going to, in 50 years, is soccer collecting going to be what we see or what we think it'll be. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I've shared that too much, but it's, it's one of those things that's my brain is always kind of trying to calibrate. Um, do I really want to, um, put into some, you know, buy this big card that, um, how long do I intend to hold it? Um, those kind of questions I, I ask pretty much anytime I spend, you know, no, I, on something. I, I love it. I mean, I think it's, it's a very, uh, what you said makes sense. I also have that feeling, you know, I, I mean, even, even myself, when I was a kid, sports are the main uh, force of entertainment for, especially for, for men. And, uh, nowadays, and, um, I have a brother that is uh, quite younger than me. Um, and he, he loves to watch, for example, his sports, you know, something mm -hmm. that I, I never grew up, uh, watching and I, but. And he also loves to watch live streams, stuff like that, that goes, goes into basically your take that, uh, there is different forms of entertainment, you know, and the passion gets a bit split between uh, multiple stuff. Uh, and, um, I also think people, uh, not people, uh, countries that are, uh, um, very well developed, if that makes sense, is where you see that being, uh, being more evident. Uh, I think soccer is a bit more protected. Basically, I'm repeating what you said, but I, I totally agree because uh, of the international, um, the international success that, that the sport have in, in other countries, because you also have to put in perspective, we have more people nowadays than, than we had 20 years ago, but we yeah. have even, but the reason we have so many people is actually from, um, third world countries and stuff like that. That um, soccer does uh, very well there, so I think your take is honestly quite good and and totally, totally possible because you probably grew up loving baseball or American football, and you are already seeing a shift on that. I would assume. Yeah, I mean that's definitely it. The focus is just drawn so many different ways. Like all you, when I was growing up, we had maybe five channels on television. You know, it was even. I think I was eight years old before we got cable. So it was, uh, there was very few options. So you were excited when they had a, any sort of sport on television. And I mean, to be fair, most of the time was spent outside playing the sports. And that's just a whole different dynamic now with, with young people. There, there's so many things drawing their attention and they can exactly. figure out what, what interests them and they can focus on that. And it's just sport is kind of getting um watered down a little bit that way no i agree yeah, I, this. I actually i actually i had uh, um, someone in the past in the podcast that uh, shared the, i would sell most a similar take to you uh basically that he believes that digital products will be the thing that people will collect and the same people end up disagreeing but honestly who knows i, I don't think it's crazy i mean uh, this type of stuff uh, never seems too evident to us uh, but probably seems much more evident to the new generation the same thing with nfts i i'm honest i i, I don't understand that stuff that, that that well i think is i mean i i don't get the collecting something digital for me is basically a line of code that 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 is there and i like the physical item Right. But maybe uh, a kid with um, 16 years old, you know, uh, understands that well. And um, it is what it is, basically. So the, you see people spending so much money in this Fortnite uh, CSGO skins or something like that, that if they are spending there, they probably find that something um, worth collecting, worth, worth having. So, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And that's almost probably what we need to focus on is what are the younger people doing um if you always want to stay ahead of the game as to like um because it, it kind of goes in um in waves where okay who the 40 to 50 year old um people what are they gonna spend their money on for nostalgia yeah. you know so like we um for me it's sport so and i collected when i was a kid and you know i enjoy collecting still i mean granted i never stopped but for people my age now 
you know, they remember collecting cards. So that's what they did during this COVID boom, you know, and, and all of that. And just now they have more discretionary income. Where are they spending it? Um, so and looking at like 30 year olds now, what did what did they collect 15 years ago? And that maybe that's likely that that's what they're going to collect when they're 45 years old. So in 15 years, that might yeah. be you know and and the what you should be if that's what your goal is you know of staying ahead of the game and investing you yeah know, maybe that's uh bill imagine this if you said and i i would say i'm sure that you would agree with this one if you said to someone let's say five years ago let's five ten years ago that Pokemon will be the, the thing that PSA grade is the most, people would not believe it. Ah, no, more than baseball cards. That, that's impossible. And Pokemon is, is, the, is, the main, uh, is the main market on PSA nowadays. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's crazy. So if people don't believe it, just put Pokemon in perspective or, or the other TCGs. And I also believe that's already... Uh, that's already almost a shift, you know. Uh, nah, Pokemon will never be bigger than American football or or, or baseball, but it is, you know. And uh, that's will that stay? That's a different conversation to another day. Maybe there is still a lot of hype around that, but uh, we we saw a, a shift in terms of most mentality. I mean, uh, sports are the biggest thing. Well, maybe <laughs> an anime from Japan can actually take that. Is is honestly. It's honestly fascinating to to think about and um, trying to predict this type of stuff is, I would say, almost impossible. But if yeah. you can do it, yeah, you, you can actually be very ahead of the market. So, Yeah, but at the end of the day, I'd rather uh, do something I know and enjoy than try no, to find course, what the course. next thing is. So, um, you know, the, the loss in profits is gained in entertainment on my end, personally, at least. Um, but it's definitely something to think about. And um, yeah, the anime stuff is probably that would be what I'd be putting my money on if I <laughs> were going to do that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting to think about. And um, yeah, it's uh, so I'll just close my head and not think about it and uh, just do my soccer, which I'm really happy doing. <laughs> No, uh, Bill. Um, yeah, I think is everything for today. Thank you so much for uh, for accepting the, the invite us again. If you have final any final thoughts, feel free. Or otherwise, we can end the, the the podcast. Okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate the invite. This was a lot of fun. Um, I always enjoy talking soccer and uh, the cards and stickers. And uh, you know, if you any of you are interested in. Um, you know, vintage, uh, come on by the, uh, discord, um, or, uh, you know, hit up uh, any of the social medias. And, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask, I'll be happy to, um, answer and, um, you know, thank you so much again for the invite. No, no problem. So yeah, check both links. Um, actually not both. There will be a lot of links, his channel, his discord, all, all my, also my social media. I will leave everything on the comments and also on the descriptions. If you end up enjoying this episode, consider to leave a like. And yeah, see you guys next time. Bye.